the more you give, the more comes back to you. Uh, whether that's through money or blessings, whatever it is, yeah. the more you're giving, mm-hmm. stuff starts happening for you. Chris Lamb, this is the Money Hole Podcast, where we talk about good people and good money. Please make sure to like, subscribe, and give us a comment. Today, I'm with my buddy, Dallin George. Thanks for coming down, man. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I really appreciate it. It was kind of short notice. Yeah, it's a pleasure, though. I've never done a podcast, yeah. actually. and it's always First podcast. Been, uh, it's always been something I wanted to do. So when you asked me, I was pretty stoked. And uh, I told you, I said, am I ready for a podcast, Chris? Go, yeah. We'll do it. You're so, ready. Yeah. So I'm excited. Well, I want to just, you know, you're a, a guy who I met at 21 years old. You're in the same coaching organization I'm a part of. It's called The Core. It coaches real estate agents and brokers and mortgage bankers nationwide. Yep. And from 21 to 27 today, you've became a millionaire. And I think you have such an important story that people need to hear, especially right now with the way the economy is. And there's so many tactics that I think people are going to get out of your story. So I'm really excited to have you here because I think you and I are going to be able to get really practical with people because we use the same tools and forms that so many people have used to change their money and to change their life. And so what I'd like to start with, Dallin, because I actually don't know this about you is, you know, tell me a little bit about like your earliest memories of your, of money. You know, for me, I grew up kind of poor relative to America. Sure. And so I just, you know, I didn't, ha- I couldn't afford much. And there was some point in my life where I realized, man, I, I want to change this because I see the pressure that it put on my family. Yeah. And so I'd love to hear your story. So my earliest memory of money, um, you know, <clears throat> I grew up in a pretty good family. Um, I don't know that I could say we were ever super rich or super poor. I just grew up in a good structured family. Um, and uh, my dad and my mom always uh, have been big fans of Dave Ramsey. Mm-hmm. And um, so I think from a really early age, they started implementing stuff and structure with money. Yeah. Um, we had our household chores, our our weekly chores. Um, and, you know, I think it was around eight, nine or ten. We got five bucks a week if we did all of our chores. Um, so that was probably, you know, the earliest memory with money. Um, I do remember when I was really little, always trying to collect as many pennies and quarters and dimes as I could. Um, and trading my siblings, you know, pennies and nickels for quarters, making deals happen around the house. Um, but so uh, the young real estate broker in training right there. Yeah. Was there at a young age? Yep. Yep. So, um, yeah, earliest memories with money. Um, tried to save every five bucks I could. Um, didn't really ever spend that stuff on video games or anything. I just kind of put it away. I've kind of played it like a game, see how much I can save up. Um, and then just kind of worked it like that. I, when I was 13, 14, started figuring out that I could buy cell phones for 80 bucks and realize they're actually worth 120 and flip it. So I wow. started flipping phones. I did that with uh, gaming consoles, PlayStations, Xboxes. Um, I did that with a bunch of stuff. Like so. eBay or Craigslist? Craigslist. Or? Okay. Yep. Yep. I would take my bike, I'd ride down to the uh, little pantry uh, or the gas station, meet someone, flip a phone, come back, make a little profit, That's build so up from funny. there. 
So yeah, that's kind of how I got started is wow. making little deals like that. So you're a wheeler and dealer way before real estate. That was way before real estate. I was 12, 13, 14. Okay. Um, and then 16, I started working at HomeQuest um, underneath my mom. Because you're, you're, cause you're a, a second generation <clears throat> yeah. real estate agent. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Uh, my mom, great agent, been a top producer for a long time. Um, you know, I, I really started working for her and when I was about 15, 16, shadowing her. This is Medford, Oregon, Jackson County. In Medford. Yeah. Okay. So, so, Southern Oregon. Yep. Yep. Okay. Southern Oregon, all Southern Oregon. Um, and, uh, when, when I was that age, you know, it was kind of the bank owned world, 2008, 2009, oh, yeah. 10. I remember it well. Yeah. And she, I remember she was working with a, a a big group. I don't know if you know the name Gorilla. They were flippers back in the day. I don't remember those guys. Yeah. No. And uh, so I'd go out, help her with BPOs, broker price opinions. Um, and how old were you? 16? 16 when I got wow. my license so I could drive. So I was doing BPOs, field work, anything I could, shadowing, just trying to pick up as much as possible in real estate. So that's kind of how it started. Wow. That makes a lot of sense to me. So you're very fortunate. Like you had some really great parents. You had people that modeled money and actually parented you well with this, giving you allowance, giving you guys structure, and then giving you a chance to be an entrepreneur while you were still in high school. Like my story is so different. Like I spent money, I wasted money. Um, but that, that main, that makes a lot of sense because I remember meeting you at 21 and there's not a lot of 21 year old guys that were doing what you were doing, even 27. I mean, there's very few people. So, so that's cool. So when did you actually become a real estate agent? I know when I was younger in the business, cause I started when I was in high school too, a lot of the guys that were hiring me, they were like, I don't think you can be a loan officer until you have a little bit of hair on your face. Yeah. <laughs> so at what point did, did your mom let you actually work with clients and you know, help them make the biggest investment they'll probably ever make. Yeah. So, um, I worked for, I say Ellie, I mom, um, 16, 17, 18, I got licensed at 18. Um, and then I, at that point, you know, I, I told her, I said, you know, I want to build my own thing and I'm still at home quest, which is our brokerage, but two separate entities. Um, and we've always been super cool with that. So friendly competition. Um, she taught me a lot, but I really want to run my own business and build something for myself. So it was 18. Um, I think the first couple deals, you know, she sent me a lead here or there, but once I told her that it was kind of like cut off sink or swim mm -hmm. and, uh, and that's what we did. So, wow. yep. When, when did you find the core? And what was your reason for joining? Yeah, so I found the core um, in twenty was that twenty seventeen. I went to my first summit, November seventeen, and in, in LA, and then I joined the the level three core training in January of eighteen. My first coach was Steve Kerr up in Portland. Yeah. Nice. So, yep. So, before we go further into the core, because. A lot of people looking at you right now, they're like, well, he's easy for him. He had a mom that taught him. I'm, I'm just making this up. I don't know if people yeah. really think that, but what were some of the failures you've made? Because I know that this has not been an easy path for you. Yeah. And I want to make sure people hear like this has been a fight. Yeah. Yeah. You know, anytime you join an industry at 18, it's it's not easy. Um, and I think there's 
disadvantages and advantages. I mean, obviously an advantage would be, hey, I, I grew up in real estate. I know the lingo. I, I know how to talk to a client. Um, and I, obviously I learned for a couple of years prior to being licensed. So those are big advantages. But the other disadvantages, you're 18, you look like a baby. Um, once again, you're 18. So how do you get someone to trust you with the biggest investment of their life? Um, but I don't think it's a, a great excuse. Um, I think, uh, you know what you're talking about. You bring value in some way or another and people will trust you and want to work with you. So when I found the core, I think everyone comes to the core for a different reason. Yeah. I did not come to the core because I wanted to be wealthy. I came to the core because my life was completely out of balance and I did not know how to be in business and not how to work 90 hours a week. And the systems and the structure was really appealing to me. It was more about getting some time back so I could keep my marriage mm-hmm. and make sure that when I did have kids one day that I could have a chance of being a good dad because I didn't have a dad growing up. You know, along that journey, I've learned so much. You know, the core, as you know, is so much more about life balance, generosity, community. It's not just about becoming wealthy, but becoming wealthy is a big part of it, which is part of the reason I the inspiration behind Money Hole was you know, helping people to have a whole life and realizing, Hey, money's a part of that. Like either don't have enough of it or you have too much of it and you, but you need to figure out how to manage money. Well, especially right now in the world we live in. Yeah. So walk me through, you know, your process with joining the core, what brought you there? What was the biggest, even if it was, you wanted to be rich, that's fine. Yeah. But because I think what we're going to get to is how it's evolved to something different. Cause I know you're a family man now. Yep. I know that you have a wife and kids and they're super important to you. I know that you're healthy, that you work out. I don't know where you're at spiritually. We can talk about that too, but yep. take me to the beginning of the core. What brought you there? And then walk me through where where you're at today. Yeah. So, well, I went to my first uh, summit November 17. Before that was the mega marathon in August mm-hmm. of 17 in Dallas. Yep. Um, and, and lender in town invited me to that. So we flew out there um, and... I thought it was pretty cool. And honestly, I, I don't have, I didn't have any motivating reasons to join other than literally my entire life. What I'm really good at is I'm a great student. So if yeah. someone goes, Hey, you should join this program. It's going to be really good for you. And I trust that person. Okay, let's do it. So went to the mega marathon. They knew what they were talking about. Went to the summit. It was really exciting. Next step, join the core. Mm-hmm. So that, that was it. Okay. And walk me through what it's done for you. Yeah. Uh, a lot. You know, when I interviewed to get into the core, I remember Kendra, uh, Kendra Cook, the the head realtor, she asked me, you know, why do you want to join the core? And I go, well, Kendra, I've listened to everyone else tell their, their core journey, why they joined, you know, all their stories behind it. I told Kendra, I'm like, hey, I'm 21, Kendra. I don't have a, a crazy story to tell you. I'm just a good student. That's it. Um, I, I know I can work really hard. I need the systems in place. I didn't have those at the time. Um, I needed to know what to do, when to do it, how to do it. Um, and the core brought that for me. Mm-hmm. So I've been with them for six years now. That was when I was 21. I'm 27 now. So I've been at, been at six years. Um, and it's added <clears throat> structure, training, It's taught me how to build a team. Uh, I think most importantly, though, um, it's given me role models around me like you, um, all the other coaches that I've had in the core that I can look at 
come into a beautiful office and go, I really like that. I really like that. And bring all these things from different parts of the country, big markets, and bring them back to tiny little Southern Oregon and implement them and kind of get ahead of the game. So I think that's been the biggest value out of uh, the core has given me. Yeah, man, it's changed my life. Like it's, yeah. it's been, it's right up there with finding Jesus and marrying my wife and having kids. I mean, it is, <laughs> it is so important to me. Yeah. Like it, I don't think I would have my kids because I adopted them if it wasn't for the core. So, I mean, it's, it, it's been incredible. And really what the core is, it's a community, you know, and that's what I always try to convey to my friends. Cause I talk about it so much and like, man, how do I be a part of that? And well, you kind of got to be in my industry, but you don't have to join the core. You just have to find mentors and you have to have, find people that have what you want. And I think that the reason that you're successful is because you have transitioned from being a realtor to being a mentor to so many of your clients. And one of the things we talk about a lot is other people's money. Yeah. And one, you know, some of the things you and I have used, which I'd, I'd love to talk about for a minute is the personal family budget. Yeah. Because I talk about that with some of my friends. I was, I remember talking to Todd Screema. This is probably like eight or nine years ago. We're at his, uh, down in Sacramento where he yeah. lives and, couple of us are around the table. This is a guy, by the way, who has $250 million or something like that, private jets. Yep. And we said, Hey, what's your seat? Someone said, what's the biggest thing you've done that's changed your life financially? And he's without even batting an eye, he said the personal family budget. Makes sense. And I remember thinking to myself, like, really? Th that's it? <laughs> and he said, yes, because it's the way it works is it changes the way you think month yeah. over month, year over year, becoming your own accountant mm -hmm. in your household. If you can't do that, you're not going to do a whole lot more than that. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah. I mean, if, if you're not telling your money where it's going, it's going to leave you, right? I mean, that's that's rule number one. Um, but when you do the personal family budget, you set yourself so much farther ahead than everybody else. Hardly anybody does them. Um, we started having my team do them um, in January of this year. So we're on month six or seven now. Um, in fact, I just did my personal budget meetings yesterday. What's it done for them? Uh, make them save money. Yeah. I mean, make them look at what they're spending. Um, I've had RP1's assistance um, go from 30000 in debt. Now we can actually analyze it together. Okay, non-judgmental. Like, hey, doing this for you. Let's build some wealth. Here's where you're at. Here's what we think we could do right or different. Um, and let's do it. And, and we just make some adjustments. And, you know, sometimes, you know, when you have someone else unbiased looking at a personal budget, like a coach, mm -hmm. they're going to see stuff that you're blind to. Yep. And I think that's a big thing. You know, there's no emotions around it. There's no emotions you see involved. It very tactically. Yeah. And, and that's huge. Um, and you do it with, with family. I don't know the statistic with divorces, but I think... It's a pretty large portion of them are due to financial yeah. stress. Financial or parenting. And those yeah. two are largely married, you yeah. know, money and raising kids. Yep. So, I mean, it's it's pretty simple. You do it together as a family. You're on the same page. You know where the money's going. Um, and things work out. So. Why do you think it's so hard for people to do that? Like, first of all, I want to just, I just want to encourage you, man. What you're doing for your team is going to change their lives. That is leadership, man. There's very few people in this world that run corporations and businesses that their number one concern is not the bottom line. And so when you put yourself in a position where you're helping your team with their money, not only is that going to change their lives, but you're going to retain good people longer. They're going to be super loyal to you. They're going to 
attract other people to your organization, you will make more money and enjoy your team and enjoy your life so much more because you're doing that for your team. I'm telling you, man, that is a game changer. So I just want to encourage you, man. I'm so happy to hear you're doing that. Yeah, it, it's it's been really good for them um, and, and me. Um, you know, I, I had an employee, I won't obviously say what happened, but um, a couple of years ago, they had a pretty big financial disaster happen. Mm-hmm. And he called me, hey, I can't come into work today. This happened. I'm like, why didn't you tell me that? We didn't do personal budgets at the time. You know, mm-hmm. if I would have known the situation was happening to him, I could have helped him. Yeah. And I knew that. And I told him, I said, you know, it's too late now, but please, in the future, if anything happens, I'm here for you. Um, and we're doing the personal budgets. Yeah. That stuff doesn't happen anymore. Yeah. You know, um, so that, that's been a, a game changer for the team. Yeah. Yeah. I tell my team all the time when we talk about their money, I say, if you want to make more money here, learn to control the money you have better. Yeah. I was like, cause I promise you it is directly tied to your performance. Like, I don't have a problem paying people a little bit more than they're worth or a lot more than they're worth, but you have to realize what you're worth. And you won't realize that until you start changing these behaviors and creating a compelling vision for the way you want your life to be with your spouse and your kids and the trips you want to have, the house you want to live in, when you want to be in a place where you can do whatever you want and you don't have to work for me anymore. And so I have found that they're starting to really believe me. It's like, you know, people don't come to me for raises as much as they come to me in, for financial advice. And a raise is just part of that at times. Right. But yeah. You're doing more. You're, you're clearly going above and beyond. And I think it's time that we give you an adjustment to pay. But I, I think so many people are focusing on how do they make more money instead of how do they make sure they're capturing the money they make oh, yeah. and putting it in the right places. And I think you got to figure that out. Otherwise it doesn't matter how much you make. You're just going to spend more. Yep. No, absolutely. I mean, I look at my personal budget last month and I spent 200 something dollars at Dutch Bros. And I go, well, <laughs> all right, we got to cut down the Dutch Bros or buy a little coffee machine. You know, you don't know until yeah. you look at it. And if I wouldn't have looked at that for 12 months, there's, you know, a couple grand down the down the drain. Yeah. Um, and, and so, yeah, it goes much further than that. But um, yeah. I, Josh, Josh was telling us a story one time. And, this, you know, for people that are listening, Josh is incredibly successful, you know, beyond most what most people would even dream. And he was saying how he asked us on a call, he said, you guys ever get those little $30, $40 refunds in the mail for different things? And, and uh, you know, this is a guy who has hundreds of employees, I believe, and he's very busy. Yeah. And so he said he had one of those and it was sitting on his desk so long, he didn't have the time to deposit. He literally threw it in the trash. And he said that, that week he owns a ranch in San Antonio. He said he was out on his ranch and I, I think I think it was his ranch or a neighboring ranch. He literally found a, a, a dead body of a immigrant. That it wasn't it was old. It was a skull and stuff like that. And so this week he's looking in his trash all week. He keeps looking down and seeing this check and it all of a sudden hits him. There are people that are dying on my land to get what I just threw in the trash. Mm. And the lesson that he gave us is we can never underestimate the value of a dollar. Like when, when we start throwing that away, like something is wrong in us, no matter how much money you make, you have to manage it well and you have to take care of it. And I think stewardship is something that we talk about a lot here. So, so you're, you're doing your personal family budget, you're doing well in real estate and you, you meet Rick, you meet the guys in the core. Tell me a little bit about your journey and like what it's done for you today. 
as far as, you know, making money, saving money and giving money away. I'd love to hear yeah. about those three things specifically. Well, giving money, probably the most important there. Um, I had never given away money before the core. Yep. And to be completely transparent, I never gave away money until probably three years ago in the core. Um, and three years ago, I gave away 25,000. I believe it was 25 or 30,000. Mm -hmm. The next year I gave away 40. And then last year we gave away 66. So, you. you know, it, and we, we give the money without expectation of, of a return. Um, but that being said, the more you give, the more comes back to you. Uh, whether that's through money or blessings, whatever it is, yeah. the more you're giving, mm -hmm. stuff starts happening for you. So, Do you have any examples of that? Um, well, you know, uh, it could be anything. I mean, you, you happen to donate, like I donate a lot to Crater High School, their athletic program. Mm -hmm. um, and if I end up, you know, I, I last year I donated 30,000 to, to Crater. Um, I happen to get a couple clients from Crater this year. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's not like we donate it expecting those. Clients, That's not the motivation, but man, but it opens doors and it makes you magnetic. We were just talking about that on one of my last podcasts mm -hmm. is it makes you a magnetic person. It doesn't matter if it's a religious thing either. Like it's just the way things work and good for you. That's a lot. And, you know, I, I always, I, we don't talk about the core very often here, just a little bit, but with you here, I yeah. just want to brag for a second. Our group gave away $21 million this year. It's Wasn't a lot. it? It's 21 million, right? something up there. A group of 500 yeah. people yeah. gave away $21 million. Yeah. So it's, it's incredible a, how it happens when you challenge really competitive yeah. people, you yeah, know, it's, it's they incredible. want to give away money and help people. Yeah. And, and it was not just the money though, is there, there's the whole, uh, you know, saving the planet week, yep. you know, and they're getting out donating time. Um, and I don't think the core factors in the time that people give away either. We need to. They probably should, um, because that's a heck of a lot of time and money too. It is. What do you What do you guys do for that week? Uh, so we go down to the St. Vincent de Paul and we'll do a little food kitchen. Okay. So um, we've done that. Um, we need a little better system in place, you know, for the next couple. But mm -hmm. um, we've done an okay job with giving time away. Um, most of it has been money. Well, people need money. It's important. Yeah. So, so here's what I hear from you. So you, you learned how to make money. You learned how to manage your money. Yep. And then you learned how to give money. Tell me a little bit about investing, because like I said, the average person watching this probably 25 to 45 ish, and they're somewhere on this journey. They're either trying to figure out how to make it, how to save it, yep. how to get out of debt or how to invest it. Let's talk a little bit about investing mm -hmm. and start with some really simple things. And maybe, you know, we can talk a little bit about real estate because yeah. that's your, your world. That's my world too. Sure. sure. Well, I mean, it's pretty simple. Uh, we, I like to keep it simple. I, I look at Rick Ruby worth well over a hundred million now. Mm -hmm. And I took, I take Rick Ruby's money one Oh two class every summit. So do I, right. I actually taught it with him in the last one. Right. And so it's like, uh, we take these classes and, and Rick, the past, you know, I, I really learned most of investing in the stock market in the past couple of years. Yep. Um, and every financial advisor I've ever met with, just way too complicated for me. I, I just don't understand it. I yeah. take Rick's Money 102 and he goes, hey, here's what we invest in. Okay. You're going to save 20% a month. Okay. And your gross paycheck. Yep. And, and it's going to go into the S&P 500 and five of your favorite stocks, blue chip stocks. Walmart, Amazon, uh, you know, a necessary stock, something that's not going to go away. That's it. It's yeah. simple. And he taught me what is the S and P 500. It's the 500 biggest 
best, most profitable companies in America. Mm -hmm. He taught what the NASDAQ is. He taught what the Dow Jones is. I didn't know that stuff before. And I don't think many people do, right. you know, when I'm teaching the team about this stuff, mm -hmm. you know, this is brand new stuff, mm -hmm. but it's so simple and it doesn't have to be complicated. Um, you know, you look at, at Rick's financial advisor, he just made Forbes list number 30, 31 on yeah. Forbes list, the best financial advisors he's in America. A, he's a boss, right? He's a great financial advisor. Yeah. There's no doubt about that. He has not beat the S and P in the last 20 years. Right. So it's not good for business, by the way, if you're a financial planner. <laughs> so, well, there's other ways they can bring value. Yeah, he's, a, he's a smart guy. Yeah, he, yeah, he's a great guy. Um, but for someone simple like me that, you know, we're running a business, we're running 100 miles an hour. I, I don't have time to analyze stocks and go nosedive into those. I'm investing in the S&P 500. I have the, the SPY, um, the Spider. Mm -hmm. um, we have the QQQ. Mm -hmm. I have Amazon, Dutch Bros. I have a little Facebook I want to get rid of, but I still have it. And that's about it. And it's pretty darn simple. Um, so that I mean, that's yep. as simple as we can make it. And you don't just throw money at it. You dollar cost average. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that's important. People understand that it's a long game. I don't control it. It goes right from the paycheck directly from the payroll company right into the investment account. You don't, don't think about it. I don't, don't question want it. Nope, because I'll get too emotional. I will, you know, if the market's up or down, because I, I watch it every day. Yep. I don't want to. I have my separate, my Edward Jones. That's the one it goes into. That's, I call it my serious account. And I have my fun account, which is my Vanguard, which I still, it's the same investing strategy. I just control it myself. But I'll tell you what, if you looked at my Edward Jones versus my Vanguard, the Edward Jones gets deposits every single month, mm -hmm. every two weeks mm -hmm. with the paychecks. The Vanguard gets deposits sporadically. You can make I that auto it. too. Oh, I'm sure I can. I just, I don't. So, um, you know, that's how we invest every month, the same time. I don't touch it and it just goes in. So I, I have E-Trade. That's my fun account. I'm up 14% this year. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'm up 11 or 12. It, it's been up and down. I couldn't believe it. I think Walmart is the... I bought Walmart because recessions, they're not going anywhere. If anything in recessions, Walmart goes up. So, well, Dallin, I really appreciate you coming and yeah. spending some time with me, man. I, I hope that people will get something out of this um, in a second here when we close. I'm going to ask them for questions. And if you're willing, you can jump on there and answer sure. real estate questions for them. So appreciate you, man. Yeah, thank you. Thank it's you for been coming. awesome. Yeah. Appreciate it. Please make sure to like, subscribe, and leave us a comment.